So after a substantial ministry that Jesus had, three years where it started with him being baptized and then going into the wilderness, being tempted and resisting that temptation, and then, and then a ministry to many people, healing and preaching the, the kingdom is, is, is here and the kingdom is coming and you could be a part of the kingdom and, and just a movement that the world had never seen now is culminating at this three-year mark where Jesus enters Jerusalem for the last time. We talked a little bit about it when I mentioned when we were discussing communion, how Jesus came in to this triumphant entry where people are, are screaming and praising him. Uh, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then right after that, the day after the palm branches and the hosannas and the blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, we come across a very strange moment. It's in Mark chapter 11. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, you can certainly turn to the book of Mark. It's in the New Testament. It's the second book of the New Testament. Chapter 11, it's going to be on the screen as well. We're going to read through this passage. But here comes this very strange and peculiar moment right after, the day right after he triumphantly enters Jerusalem. This is what it says. The next day... As they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to find it or find out if it had any fruit. And when he reached it, he found nothing but leaves, because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, "May no one ever eat fruit from you again." And his disciples heard him say it. What? What? What did Jesus? What did, why did Jesus have it out with out for figs? I mean, I I don't understand. I mean, in a sense, I understand because I don't know anybody that likes fig newtons. But maybe I do. Raise your hand if you like fig newtons. I don't understand you at all. Wow, fig newtons. I got to have the apple ones or the strawberry ones or something. But fig newtons, in a way, I can understand why Jesus had it out for figs. But what is this about? You know, looking at this passage and several others that we're going to look at over the course of this month, there are confounding moments in Scripture where, you know, we're reading uh, and we come across something. And maybe it's something that we've read before. Maybe it's something that we studied before. Maybe it's a new thing. And we read it, we're like, what in the world? What is that about? And that's what we're going to be asking and answering here today. So what exactly is it about this fig tree? So first, before we start diving into some of the spiritual lessons that we can learn from this encounter, let's first, like good arborists, Let's first figure out what it is with fig trees in general. What, what is it with fig trees in general? So a fig tree actually grows differently than many other fruit trees that you and I know about. So in this part of the world, a fig tree has a growing season that happens about two, sometimes three times a year. In the early spring... Before leaves are, are even starting to grow on the tree, the fruit begins to grow. So here's a picture of, of figs beginning to grow on the branch of a fig tree. 
And then late spring, after the figs have grown, then the leaves begin to grow on the tree. So, if you were walking through the Israeli countryside, like Jesus and his disciples were in this encounter, and you saw a fig tree that was lush and full of leaves, what would you rightly assume? That there's figs present. Because the leaves come after the figs. And so that's, that's the situation, the context that Jesus and his disciples walk into here. But it's, it's not then what Jesus found as he approached the fig tree. Even though from a distance he saw a fig tree full of leaves, rightly then assuming that it has fig fruit on it right for the picking, when he approaches the fig tree, he finds something completely different. He finds a tree full of leaves, but fruitless. So what happened? Well, the fig tree in question had all the appearances, all the appearances of being full of fruit, in that from a distance... From a distance, it had the appearance of fruitfulness. In Mark chapter 11, the author points out that it wasn't even the season for figs. It wasn't even the season for figs in that this tree, this specific tree, as Jesus and his disciples are walking by, it's actually a moment where they're like, what? That tree is full of leaves. That means it has figs. It's not even the season for figs. Let's go check that out. This tree has already set itself apart as substantial and better than the rest of the trees because it was presenting itself as fruitful. But it had nothing to offer. It had no fruit. It only had a bunch of leaves. And so Jesus cursed the tree in Mark eleven fourteen. Then Jesus said to the tree, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. You see, Jesus cursed the fig tree because it had the appearance of fruitfulness. It had the appearance of fruitfulness, but in reality, it was not fruitful at all. Its appearance then was deceptive. And then what was that deceptiveness doing? It was drawing people in based on that deception. So what does this mean for us? Why is it important for us to engage in this encounter? What is it that Jesus is, is, is teaching us, is showing us? Lest we forget that it's not a surprise to Jesus that we have this today. It's not as if Jesus showed up in this room here today that he would be like, oh, cool, you have all my stuff in this book? He knew exactly what he was doing. Every encounter, every moment was orchestrated purposely so that we could engage with it today. So is it possible? Is it possible that Jesus cursed this fig tree in an effort to speak not to his disciples in that moment, but to you and I today? The answer is yes. 
Jesus had a very different exchange in the book of Matthew. He put the story of the fig tree in further perspective. So Jesus here, he's speaking specifically to those who have an outward appearance of fruitfulness. So the Darth Vader's of the Bible, who, who were they in the New Testament? Sadducees and Pharisees, that's right, good job. So Jesus says to them, he says this in Matthew 23, verses 27 through 28. He says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. You hypocrites, he says. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. That's explicit, isn't it? In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. So what is Jesus telling us here? How is he engaging with us? Jesus is saying that for those who profess to follow Jesus, for those who believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, who believe that he died on the cross for their sins and then rose from the dead and is living today and have decided to follow him and make him the leader of your life, if you are a follower of Jesus, you cannot, you cannot be so overly focused on what is outward, that is how you appear to the world around you that you neglect to produce actual, real fruit. See, Jesus is saying that we cannot live our lives outwardly, presenting ourselves to a world as spiritually intact, but then when people come closer, that they find that we actually have no fruit at all. Jesus is showing you and me that we cannot, we cannot be like this fig tree. We cannot present the appearance of a fruitful life, but in actuality produce nothing but a bunch of leaves. Consider this. How, how do you and I know what a fruitful life is? What is the fruit that we are to produce Paul mentions this in Galatians chapter 5 and verses 22 through 23. He says, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit that we are to produce in our lives, that are, it's actually evidence of the transformative inward change that Christ does, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the fruit. That's the fruit that we are to produce. That is the evidence of Christ in us. But there are three reasons why a person doesn't produce fruit in their life. Three reasons. The first reason that we don't produce fruit, this love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, the first is that you are immature in your faith. You are immature in your faith. Now, I want you to keep this in mind. Being immature in your faith has nothing to do with longevity. There are people, and I've met them, you've met them, who are new in their faith, very young in their faith. 
And yet they possess already a spiritual maturity in their lives that's contagious. And there are people that have been believers for a long time that are very immature in their faith. It has nothing to do with longevity. It has everything to do with an intentional desire to pursue God, to love Him and to love others. And the second reason that we don't produce fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, the evidence of Christ in us, the second reason is because we are more concerned about outward appearances than what it's, it, it, about what's inside. We're more concerned about outward appearances than we are about what's inside. And I'm not just talking about clothing and, and, and uh, uh, hairstyles. I'm talking about being concerned about how we present ourselves to the world uh, through our jobs and, and, and our school degrees and our houses and our presence at church or the ministries that we lead or our persona. These trophies that we put on mantles and we say, that's, that's evidence. That's evidence that, that I dig Jesus and he digs me. Instead of being focused on what's inside, the fruit that actually is a testimony to the fact that we belong to Jesus. And the third reason we don't produce fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control is because we are bogged down with rules and regulations rather than being focused on relationships. Meaning that we hold the line. We hold the line and we're so unwavering that it doesn't matter that it's at the expense of others. What does Paul tell us in Philippians chapter 2? He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition. Do nothing out of vain conceit. But in humility, consider others better than yourselves. The fruit that we are to produce, the fruit that actually testifies that we are, that we belong to Jesus. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. It's not enough to know what the fruit is, but how? How do we produce it? Well, Jesus never fails to disappoint, does he? He tells us how. In John chapter 15, he says, I am the true vine. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. And in verse 4, he says, remain in me. Remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. What does it mean to remain in Jesus? The word literally means to stay, to wait for him, to listen to him. We remain in Jesus by investing in his 
word. By opening this book, by reading the truth, the living truth, the organic truth that, that interacts with us and, and teaches us and shows us who he is and then who we are called to be. And we do this also by praying, by talking with God. And we do this by learning from Jesus. That's how our roots dig deep. That's how they dig deep into the rich soil that God provides. See, when we remain in Jesus, when we stay in Him, when we listen to Him, when we wait for Him, that actually draws others close. When we remain in Jesus, we become this tree that is so lush and it's so distinct from other trees around us that people walk around and they're like, holy cow, that person, there's something different about that person. And it draws us close. It draws others close to us. But here's the question. Just like Jesus And his disciples, as they saw that tree that was lush and full of leaves, that was distinct and special from others, and as they came close, expecting to find fruit, they found none, as others are drawn to you, as others others come to you, expecting love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, is that what they find? Do they find that fruit? Or do they just find a bunch of leaves? Let's pray. Lord, I pray that the message of this encounter is um, encouraging But I also pray for all of us that it remains challenging and maybe convicting. Lord, you don't want us to stand still and just go through the motions in this life. There's no meaning in that. None of us want to be on our deathbed wishing that we had been intentional when we hadn't been. All of us in that moment that we're about to pass into eternity, we will all think about the life that we've lived. And I pray, Father, that for each of us that we would be determined now to not only be a a tree full of leaves outwardly, not only to be distinct and, 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 and uh, noticeable to the world as, as different and draw others in, but that much more importantly, when they come to us expecting to find fruit, expecting to experience the life-changing gentleness and love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control that is evidence of belonging to you, 
that they would actually find that fruit. And that that, Father, would be the transformative experience that would cause others to not only see you through us, but to have their lives changed for eternity. Thank you for today. Thank you for the privilege of being in your word, of being challenged by your truth. Be with us today as we share uh, time with family and friends, find rest, get things done, but let us not forget the truth of your word. May it penetrate our hearts and remind us of who you've called us to be. Pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. God bless.